get started, I just want to just take a few minutes just to just to sit back and just get into that place that we were at the end of worship when the presence of God was just so evident in this room and his love was just flowing throughout this whole room. I just want us to get back there. So as Jordan plays, um, let's just sit here and let's just soak in it. A revelation that the Lord gave me a couple a couple months ago, actually, is that the word says that Uh, the word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it also says that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So what that means is that his presence is access to an unlimited amount of strength. So if you're feeling beaten down or weary this morning, that's we're just going to sit here and soak in his presence and just let the love of God just refresh you. Just let it just pour over you. Let him just pour his love out all over you and let it just refresh your soul. Thank you, Father. Wow, we just thank you. Wow, we just thank you for your powerful love, God. God, we thank you that just one encounter with your love and we'll never be the same. That's the power of perfect love. Cast out all fear in our hearts. Thank you for your peace that just comes with your presence, God. Before I got saved, I... I was just living a crazy lifestyle, just partying and doing drugs and drinking all the time, just crazy, doing crazy stuff. And I'd been to church throughout most of my life at times, more so when I was a little kid. But I never really experienced the love of God before. And I was a junior in high school, and I went, I started going to this youth group more as an excuse to get out of the house during the week, honestly. And I I started going to this youth group, and I went on a winter retreat um, to a camp in Wisconsin. I'm from Chicago. And we went up to this camp in Wisconsin, and we were just having a worship service the first night that we got there. And all the, the teens that were in this youth group, they were crazy. They were all so on fire for God. Like, they're... We were in this worship service, and they're all like laid out on the floor, bawling, jumping up and down, just going crazy. And I'm just sitting there like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> like, what, what? why are these people, why are they crying on the floor with their face to the ground? Why are they jumping in the air? And I was just like, God, it seems like they are experiencing something that I've never experienced before. It seems like they have a real relationship with you like I've never seen in my entire life. And at this point, I didn't even really know if God was real, honestly. That's where I was at. And so I was, I was sitting in this worship service and I just, I was just sitting there. I opened up my hands and I said, God, if you're real, then just show me something. I just do something so I know that you actually exist. 
And as soon as I said that, I just felt his presence just come on me and the love of God just fill me. And it was, I mean, you guys have experienced before and it's better than any high that I'd ever experienced on drugs. And I was just sitting there and I just started bawling, just soaking in the love of God. And that one encounter with his love completely changed the rest of my life. I was completely set free from addiction to drugs and alcohol, any desire for that stuff. And that one instant, just with that one encounter with the power and the love of God. Father, so I just release that love just more and more, God, just in this room. God, just wreck us this morning with your love, God. Just wreck us with how much you care for us, God. Even the small details of our lives. You care so much. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Wow. Well, it's an honor to be here with you guys this morning. Just to get this opportunity to share. Um, I don't really know exactly what God wants to do. He, I know he's given me a topic and, and some things to talk about, but I don't know exactly where it's going to end up today, so I'm just open to whatever he wants to do. But a couple weeks ago, I was away on a prayer retreat, and Tommy and Norm were kind enough to let me go up to their cabin in Florissant. So I got to spend a couple days up there, and I just want to say thank you to you guys so much for letting me go up there. It was a blessing, and you guys are just such a blessing to not only me, but just to this whole family, and it's such an honor just to be in relationship with you guys. There's so much wisdom in you. Like, even they they drove me up there and drove me back because my our, our car that we have wouldn't have made it up. And just sitting in the car with them and just talking and just just hearing some about their lives and just their story. It's They're so awesome. There's so much wisdom in that couple, and it's such a blessing. But I was away on this retreat, and God was just talking to me about a lot of different stuff, and he was doing a lot of a lot of stuff in my heart, and it was, it was awesome. But I felt like there was like a common theme of what he was speaking to me, and, and it was all around this word greater. And there's like three different aspects, really, of what he was saying about it. And I just felt like he wanted me just to, to share this morning this, this first aspect of the word greater that he was revealing to me. And so I want to start off just by talking about a question that all of us have heard probably hundreds of times throughout our lives from the time we're little kids and we can first start communicating with people. Adults always ask us, like, what's your name? How old are you? What do you want to be when you grow up? We all got those questions, right? And so I want to talk about the last question there. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> now, I'm, I'm going to share what I wanted to be for a, a brief part of my life. But first, I want to hear some of your guys' responses. So when you were kids and someone asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What were some of the things that you guys said? You could just shout them out. No one wanted to be anything? 
What were some of the things you wanted to be? Firefighter. Basketball player. Preacher. Football player. What else? A nun. <laughs> I think someone said a nurse. An Olympic ice skater. Wow. Awesome. So, Cinderella. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, so before I share with you what my response was, I'm going to describe it to you, and I want you guys to picture this in your head and see if you can get the right picture of what I'm talking about. But before I do that, I want to make it clear, I feel like I'm, I'll need to make it clear up front that this is not a joke. This is real life for a period of time, what I wanted to be when I grew up. So imagine this. I'm just going to give you four different things to describe what these people are. The first one is muscular. Second one, athletic. Third one, they do flips. And the fourth one, they compete in the Olympics. Now, I'm sure you guys probably guessed it by now, but it's pretty easy. What I wanted to be was a male figure skater. <laughs> and that's no joke. See, my wife's over there like, for real? Because I hadn't even told her this before. I was ashamed until now, but I feel like I could be open and honest with you guys. <laughs> but let me, let me explain this a little bit so I can at least feel a little bit better about myself again. <laughs> and sorry if anyone wants to be or is a male figure skater in here, I don't know. But when I was growing up, I played hockey. My whole family loved hockey. I was ice skating by the time I was two years old. My whole family, like we all, we went ice skating all the time. Loved it. It was like one of my favorite things to do. And I remember one winter, we were sitting in the living room at my mom's house, and we were watching the Olympics. And I was seeing these guys that were like skating, jumping, and spinning, and doing flips on ice skates. And I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So then I would like. I would run and like twist in my house and like land on one foot and had flawless form. It was crazy at such a young age. So that was the first reason. And the second reason still exists to today of why I wanted to be a figure skater. And it's this, that no one could ever convince me that I wouldn't be a stinking good looking figure skater. And just to prove it to you guys, I just, I made a couple pictures that I want to share with you today. <laughs> Look at that. That's the flawless form I was talking about. Look at that form. Here's another one. <laughs> and I know this last one's probably a little unbelievable, but you just got to trust that this is actually me. I would prove it, but I didn't wear the right pants today, so 
You're just going to have to trust me on that. <laughs> so now you guys know my dark secrets and we can officially be family. <laughs> but this question, this question of what do you want to be when you grow up, it's, it's fed to us from such a young age. We're always thinking about it. We're always thinking about the future and what we want to be. And then we start going to school and we go to junior high and then we go into high school. And then in high school, it's all about trying to get into whatever college you want to go to. So you pick your classes and you try to get those grades so you can go to that college. And whatever college you want to go to depends on what career you want to do for the rest of your life. So this person that you want to be for the rest of your life, you're supposed to start developing this plan by the time you're 15 years old as a freshman in high school, you, you're supposed to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. And even in Christian circles, like it's not even just public schools and things like that, but even in Christian circles, there's, it, it's so focused, there's churches and youth groups that are so focused on telling people God has a plan for you, He has a call for your life, and there's programs built around trying to get people to, to figure out what this call is that God has for their lives. And that's great because we need to know that. But a lot of times we think that the call of God is mostly about doing something for the kingdom when the bigger call of God in our lives is to be the people that He created us to be. And our minds get programmed to think that the person that He wants us to be is defined by what we do. And it's in our culture all over America when the per whatever we do always defines who we are. Like if I ask who is Jay Canning, a, a normal response would be, well, he's the director in the school or and the teacher of the school downstairs. But the truth is that Jay Canning is actually a passionate lover of Jesus and people, and he has a desire to see people come into an understanding of who they are in Christ and to see people healed and set free. He just happens to be a teacher downstairs. Or who is Kevin Thomas? Some weirdo that wants to be a male figure skater. <laughs> but, but when I was away on this prayer retreat and God was speaking to me about this word greater, the first aspect that I, that I felt like he, he showed me was that who you are is greater than what you do. Because God doesn't call us to do things like plan a church or start a business or become a school teacher because we need more churches and more businesses and more school teachers. First off, it's impossible to actually have more churches because there's only one church. And that's a revelation that the church needs to get. We need to realize that we're actually just one body in many parts. And God showed me something cool about the word realize. When Jeff Turner was here in the last Encounter Weekend, he was talking about how when you realize something, it's not that what you realize never existed until you realized it. It's just that you finally realized what was there all along. And what God showed me about the word realize is he said that you won't realize the truth until you look with real eyes. And in Scripture, yeah, you won't realize without realize. And in Scripture, one of the one of the names that it calls God is the Father of Glory. 
And the word father there in the Greek means the creator or the originator. And the word that's translated glory means the view and opinion of something. So it's that, that phrase is meaning that God is the creator or the originator of the view and opinion of everything. So that's why we'll never realize the truth until we can see things from his perspective. Until we can see through his eyes in the way that he sees things, then we'll never realize the truth about any situation. That's why we can't look at what he's called us to do apart from who he's called us to be in whatever we're doing. This past week, I was having lunch with Jay, and I was just talking with him about some of the stuff that I was going to be sharing. And and he said that when he went to Karis, he had classes with Greg Moore. And I went to Karis in Chicago. I love Greg Moore. But I don't remember hearing him say this too much, but Jay said here, he said it all the time. But he said this phrase, don't be a do-to-be but be a be to do. Don't be a do to be, but be a be to do. That's right, isn't it? Okay, <laughs> just making sure. But, yeah, don't be a do to be, but be a be to do. And so, I'll explain that in a second. But, because what, what I, when I was away on this retreat, I felt like God was speaking to me something pretty much along those same lines. But the way that, the way that it registered in my mind on the retreat as I was processing it all was don't let what God has called you to do fuel the person that he's called you to be, but let the person that he's called you to be fuel what you're called to do. I'll say it again. Don't let what God has called you to do fuel the person he's called you to be, but let the person that he's called you to be fuel what you're called to do. When you let what God has called you to do fuel the person that He's called you to be, you end up trying to fit into a certain mold. It could look something like this. like I, I, I'm praying and I, I'm asking God, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And then God says, pastor my church. So then I take that, that word from God, pastor a church, and so now I start pursuing that call to pastor the church. So, of course, in America, that means that I would go to a Christian college and I would get my degree so that way I can start leading a congregation and then I would have to try to learn how to become a good preacher because a good pastor in America is someone that can preach good and give good sermons on Sundays. But when you let who he's called you to be fuel what he's called you to do, then it looks more like this. I ask God, God, who am I? What did you create me to be? And then God says, I've put my love for people inside you. You are love. I've created you to care for people and to make them feel safe. So then, I, I, and whenever God reveals that to you, you know it's, you know it's the truth because you can feel it inside because He placed those passions and those desires inside of you. So now when I get that, then I get this desire to start loving people and to start caring for people and to start making people feel safe. And guess what? Then I go out and I start actually pastoring this church. I 
I use pastors as a as an example just because it's easy and people understand it, but that it applies to anything. And whatever God has called you to do will always be the most fulfilling thing that you can ever do because it directly corresponds with what he's put inside you. Each and every one of us have passions and desires that God has put inside. And I just feel like he wants me just to encourage you guys this morning just to seek those things out, just to spend time with him. And we're going to do it at the end a little bit, but even after today and after when you go home, just spend some time with him and just talk to him about those things that he's put inside of you, those passions and those desires. So there's the specific things, but then I feel like there's also this general call that he's calling all of us to be, and that's sons. If you don't realize your identity as a son, then you won't realize what you have. And if you don't realize what you have, then you're going to spend your life working for something that you don't think that you already have. The sad reality is that majority of Christians that I know aren't fulfilling the call of God that's on their lives. And the sadder reality is that most of them don't realize what it means to be a son. Because I think there's a direct correlation between that. Because as I was thinking about this, and I was just processing this as the Lord was speaking to me, I realized that I've never met anyone in my life, I'm still yet to meet anyone that has a strong revelation of sonship that isn't either fulfilling the call of God on their lives or on the track to fulfilling the call of God on their lives. You see, because orphans, they'll, they'll either never step out of the boat or they'll step out of the boat and then they'll start sinking because they start focused on the storm. And they start focusing on other things and they think that it's up to them and it's their strength that needs to keep them afloat. But the call of God on our lives is always supernatural. There... Um, Stephen Furtick, he's the pastor of Elevation Church in North Carolina, and he's like the fastest growing church in America, but there's something, one of his quotes in, in a book that he wrote called Sun Stand Still, it was something along the lines of, if your dreams aren't big enough to intimidate you, then they're an embarrassment to God. If your dreams aren't big enough to intimidate you, then they're an embarrassment to God. Because what he calls us to do, he never calls us to do something that we can do in our own strength. That's why it's so important to have a revelation of sonship to where you know that you're loved and you can feel secure in the Father. And so... I'm not going to go much longer because I want to spend some time just encountering God and just letting Him reveal things and speak things into our heart. But I just want to end with um, with talking about the story of the prodigal son. Because 
I mean, over the past month or so, I read that story, and he's just been revealing so many different things and different aspects of what's going on there. Um, and, and so many times we focus on the younger brother part of the story, but I want to focus a little bit more on the older brother this morning. And, I mean, you guys all know the story. The younger brother goes to the father, says, I want my portion of the inheritance. So he divides it up among them. The younger son leaves, spends it all, reaches the slowest point where he's like feeding these pigs and is starving. And then he comes to this realization that even the servants in his father's house had food. So he starts to go back there. Father runs out to him, loves on him. They go back in, they're having a party. And then the older brother's out working in the field, hears this, and then he gets all upset when he hears this party. And I think there's a lot more older brothers in the church than we realize because I think that we've kind of twisted why he's actually upset in the story. Because I've heard it said a lot of times that the older brother is mad that this younger brother got this grace shown towards him when he was there working all the all this time and now the father is having a party for his younger brother and i was reading this and god showed me that the real reason that the older brother is upset is found in verse 29 in Luke 15 and i'll i'll just read it for you guys it says Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Did you catch it? The reason that the older brother is upset is because from his what his perspective is that the father has blessed somebody else more than he's blessed him. And I don't know about you, but I've definitely been at that point before. Like even as a musician, when I, I look at other musicians and I'm like, man, if only I could play like that guy. Or if only I could sing like that person. And we start to look at this thing of, man, God has blessed this person more than he's blessed me. When reality is that we're blessed with all spiritual blessings. He's, he's made us and he's created us with exactly everything that we're ever going to need to fulfill the call of God that's on our lives. And so this older brother is all mad. And it, <laughs> what... What I love about this, too, is that really the older brother just wanted a party as well. It's what he says. He says, I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. He just wanted a party. But the difference was that the older brother, because he didn't realize what he had, he thought that he had to work to try to earn something that he already had access to. Because 
See, what the older brother says here is actually true. But there's sometimes that being right can make you miss out on a greater reality. Because when he, sa- when he says, when he tells his father, you've never given me even a young goat to make merry with my friends, that's actually totally true. He didn't just give him a young goat. He actually gave him all the goats and all the fatted calves and all the land and everything that the father had was already his. Because if you go back to the beginning of the story, when the younger brother goes to the father and he says, I want my share of the inheritance, it says that basically the father agrees and it says that so he divided up his livelihood among them. So if he's dividing it up among them, that means he's dividing it up between his two sons. So in those days, the older son would have gotten two-thirds of the inheritance, and the younger son would have gotten a third of the inheritance. And then the younger son takes his share of the inheritance, and he leaves, and he goes wasting it, living this wild, partying lifestyle, and the older brother is still there. So that means that everything that was left was already the older brothers. The two-thirds of the inheritance that was left already belonged to him. But because the older brother didn't have a revelation of sonship, he didn't have a revelation of who he was as a son of the father, he spent his entire life working just for a small skinny goat when he already had access to everything that the father had. That's the danger of not realizing what it means to really be a son of God. See, because when you don't realize it, then we're stuck working for things. That's why there's so many Christians that aren't really fulfilling the call of God that's on their lives. Either they don't realize what they have, so they're working for it, or they don't They don't really believe that the Father loves them enough to provide for their needs. So then they try to take control for themselves and they try to get into a career and a job with a promising salary and job security. And they spend their whole life missing out on the call that God has because they don't actually realize who they are. They don't realize who God has called them to be. See, that's the danger of of letting the call fuel who you become. Because if you let who He's called you to be fuel what you do, I'm going to say that 100% of the time you're going to fulfill the call of God that's on your life. So, I just want to spend some time and there's just a couple questions that I want us to ask God. Um, 
should have gotten you guys a piece of paper or something, so I'm sorry about that. But as Jordan just plays, there's two questions that I want us to ask him. And the first one is, who am I? Who have you created me to be? Who, what do you call me? When you see me, who do you, what do you call me? Who do you call me? Who is the person that I really am? So we're going to spend some time with that, and then after, the next question we're going to ask him is, what have you given me? What have you put inside me? What are the passions that you've put inside me? And then from that place, once you get secure and founded in that, and until that happens, then I would encourage you not even to focus on the call of God that's on your lives. Because you're not going to really fulfill the call that's on your life to do something if you don't first fulfill the call on your life to be something. So yeah, we're, let's just take a few minutes. And the, the first, the first questions that we're going to ask him: Who have you called me to be? Who am I? Who have you created me to be? Phrase it how any way, ever, however you want to. But let's just ask him that question, and just let him begin just to start to reveal who you really are, the person that he's called you to be, the character level that he's calling you to. So now the second question that we're going to ask him is what have you given me? Because if you don't realize what he's given you, then like the older brother, you're going to work from this position of a perceived lack that's in your life. So just let him begin to reveal to you what he's already given you. So we're just going to end this morning just by, by singing another song. and We're just going to repeat that last song that we sang, How He Loves. But before we do that, I just want to leave you guys with this. I'm so bad about remembering where I hear quotes from, but... I heard a quote like within the past couple weeks, I think, and I I, I don't remember where I heard it from, but it it went it was something along the lines of this: Don't do something because you want to do it; do something because you have to do it. And it, what what that means is, like, don't do something because you think it would be cool, or like, don't pursue this call because you think it would be a good idea, but the thing that we give our lives to, the thing that we fully pursue in our lives, it should be something that is burning so much inside of us that we have to do it because that there's something inside of us that is never going to be truly fulfilled and satisfied unless we do this thing. Like for me, that thing is sharing the love of God. 
because I was so changed, so drastically impacted by it. And it, it changes my life every single day. Every encounter that I have with the love of God, it changes me. And so I, it's not like I chose to, to pursue that for the rest of my life. I wasn't like, man, the love of God is awesome, so I'm going to pursue sharing that with people for the rest of my life. But I'm pursuing sharing it with people for the rest of my life because it's so good and because I, it's burning so much inside of me that I have to share it with people. And so I just want to encourage you guys, no matter how old you are, from right now, from today forward, I would just encourage you to make the decision that what I'm going to pursue for the rest of my life is the passion that God has put inside me. So as we sing this song, Father, I just release that just in this room. God, I just release just the stirring up of people's passions, God, of the desires that you've put in their hearts, God. The passions that you put inside of them. God, I pray that those things would just be awakened, God, and just stirred up to the point, God, where we can't do anything else. God, we can't even think about pursuing anything else but this desire and this passion that you put inside of us.